How, how many of you right now that there is someone in your life that is difficult to love because they are so easily offended? Now, if you're sitting on a couch next to your husband or your wife or your sister or your brother or your grandmother, and now is not the time to hit them, now is not the time to point at them. But the question is, do you know someone right now that is extremely hard to love? Because they are so easily offended. You know, I think right now we need to recognize that it is it is it is extremely complicated, you know, where we are right now as a society. I mean, I've heard it said this, that we live in an age of perpetual offense. Perpetual offense. It, it, it's, like, it's like you can't say anything anymore without someone getting offended. You know, have, have you noticed that? You know, people right now, they're quick to become angry. They're quick to judge. They're incredibly quick to be offended. They're incredibly quick to become angry. You hurt me. You wronged me. I'm going to unfriend you. So what I've noticed is this, and here, here's the first, the first point that I was just going to show you. It says, you are on a continuous, if you are on a continuous search to be offended, you will always find what you're looking for. Now, church family, whether you're listening from Mississippi or Kentucky or, or right here in, our, in my home state of Tennessee, if you are a continuous search to be offended, you will always find what you're looking for. I can promise you that. I mean, if you're always looking to get hurt, if you're looking to be offended, if you're looking to be wronged, if you're looking to be angry, you will always find, especially in the world that we live in now, you will always find what you're looking for. The challenge is this. It is absolutely a no-win situation if you live offended. Because I have never in my life met a single person who said, my life is so much more productive because I'm offended everywhere I go. I've never heard anyone say that the quality of my life is so much better because I'm angry and I find fault everywhere that I go. So I, th I think we have to understand that people are hurting right now, and I, I do get that. And I, I've heard it said this way, that hurt people hurt people all the time. You know, they're going to hurt you, you're going to be offended, and that's why we need to recognize this. Being offended is inevitable. But living offended is a choice. Let me say that again. Being offended, having your feelings hurt, someone being rude to you, being offended is inevitable, but living offended is a choice. It is a choice, folks. And as followers of Christ, we have got to learn to choose wisely. So hopefully this morning... Hopefully this morning that we're going to see how we need to seek God for some true relational peace. Because Jesus is peace, right? And we're going to go to him this morning and to try to find that peace. So let's dive in. If you need to go to your coffee table, wherever your, your copy of God's Word is, uh, we're going to have it on the screen there for you as well. But go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 12. Let me give you just a second maybe to find your copy of God's Word. Romans chapter 12. This is a very easy read, but it's incredibly difficult to live. See, this is what the Apostle Paul said 
See, and if you have someone in your life right now from that very first question that I ask, someone that is difficult to love right now, I, I want you to read these verses. Okay, Paul said this in Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 14. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And verse 18 says this, if it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Okay, so when Paul says, when he says this, when he says, bless those who persecute you. Uh, there was a lady at my church in Athens that somebody would do something and she would just say, well, bless. Bless that individual. Bless that individual. She didn't really mean it in a positive thing, so I'm not really talking about that. But bless those who persecute you. See, he could have said, he could have said, bless those who are mean to you, bless those who are rude to you. He, he could have said, bless those, all kinds of different words, but he said, bless those who persecute you. Well, what does it mean to bless? I mean, I, I don't mean, it's not, it's not a negative term. What does it mean to bless? Well, from the Greek word for bless is this, eulagalio. Now, what it literally means is this. To speak well of, to wish the blessed blessing for someone. To speak well of, to wish the best blessings for someone. I want you to think about this. Speak well of and wish the best blessings for someone who is rude to you. And I'm sorry, that just doesn't make sense. Speak well of with the best of blessings for someone who betrays you. Speak well of and wish the best blessings for someone who persecutes you. Now, I don't know about you, but it's really easy for me to bless somebody who's a blessing. You with me? It's really easy for me to bless someone who is nice. But it is incredibly difficult. Maybe, maybe it's not for you, and, and maybe it's just your pastor but it's incredibly difficult when someone offends you and when someone is harsh to you and when someone belittles you and when someone leaves you out or betrays you, that is so difficult for us to take that word and say, I'm going to speak well of them. I'm going to wish the best blessing for that individual. That's just hard. You know, I, I don't know about you, but um, maybe have you ever been driving down the road and maybe a minivan and maybe it's a 2019 honda odyssey like we have and uh you know I, i've accepted that and that's just my my part in life right now but in driving the minivan with my children and my wife in there and i'm driving maybe a little bit over the speed limit i know i'm not supposed to but maybe i'm doing 72 73 on the interstate and this sports car comes flying by me doing about 95 miles an hour and about five miles down the road I get down about five miles down the road, and, and a highway patrolman has pulled that individual over, and there is a very dark part of me that wants to roll down the window and begin to preach. And here's what I want to preach. You reap what you sow, dude. 
You reap what you sow. See, there's part of me that wants to do that because there's a dark side of me that's happy that that individual got what was coming to them. I was really hoping somebody would be here and you could laugh at that, and you may not have laughed at that, but I don't know. But Paul gives us a very specific, a very direct command. He, he says to bless those who persecute you, to bless and do not curse, to rejoice with those, to bless those who persecute you. Now, can, can I just get, just, let me give you this because I want you to see this. In the Greek language, what Paul is doing, his command is what's called a present imperative. Okay? That's what he's doing. It is called a present imperative. And what this means is, any time in the Greek language that you see a present imperative, okay, that means that you are, what, what you are told to do, that you are to keep doing what you've been told to do. You see where I'm going with this? It's not a one-time action. So very literally, what Paul is saying from the original language, he's saying, bless those who persecute you, but you could translate it like this. Be a continual blessing to someone who is a continual problem. You see what I'm, see what I'm saying? That we are, it, it's a continuation. It's an everyday thing. It's not something that we just do and we stop. See, that's what he's saying. Be a continual blessing. I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I can bless someone, and I, maybe I can even speak good of someone Who's a, who ha, that maybe is a problem or has persecuted me, maybe for a few minutes, but after a while, if they continually burden me, if they continually are offensive to me, at some point, I want to snap. You know, because the flesh is very much inside of me, and, and I want to retaliate. Now, I, I will be honest with you, I, I've come a long way in 24 years of ministry because just the least little thing used to bother me and used to get under my skin and, I, and I'd get mad and I'd want to say something back to that individual. And I, I think today that I've come to a better place, you know, because if someone were to hit me, you know, I honestly think I've gotten to the point that I could turn the other cheek because that's what Jesus teaches us, right? You know, I really think that I could get to that point. <laughs> but the human side of me says, but you need to know this, if somebody hits me one time, I, I'm sort of hoping that they hit me a second time because Jesus never said, huh, he never said what to do if they hit you twice. That was really supposed to be funny and I was hoping people would laugh at that. But I mean, there, there's a human part of me, it's just like anybody else. See, I, I, I don't want to bless somebody who's mean to me and and yet Paul is giving us this imperative, and he, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, that we as followers are, of Christ are to be a continued blessing to those who are a continual problem. Well, here's the operative question. How do we do that? That individual at work, that girl at school that's a bully, that boy at school that's a bully, How do, we, how do we bless those that persecute us? You know, I, I will tell you this, and maybe this will make you feel a little bit better. It is completely impossible in my nature to ever do that. 
See, the only way that we can do what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 12, the only way for us to be able to do that is this. We've got to understand the context of Romans 12. Are you with me? That we've got to understand if, if we're going to come to a point in our Christian walk with Jesus, if we're going to come to a point where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless those who persecute you, uh, persecute me, I'm, I'm going to bless those who are rude to me. See, if we're going to come to that point, we have to understand the context of what he means in Romans chapter 12. So to do that, I want to go back to the very first verse of that chapter, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. In this context, it sets it up so how we are to love difficult people. It says this in verse 1, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God. Now, Isaac, leave that one up there just for a second. In view of God's mercy. Now, now hold on just a second. Because how merciful has, let me ask you this question. How merciful has God been to you? How much has he forgiven you that you didn't deserve? How many times has he blessed you of things that you didn't deserve that blessing? See, it's in view of that. Since therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, it's in view of all those things, all the goodness of God that he has given to you. It's the grace of God that he's given to you, okay? So, so we're, we're understanding a little bit of the context of that verse. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, Okay, that's what he's talking about. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. I, I, I love this. See, if you want to worship God, worshiping God isn't just about singing songs, and worshiping God isn't just about coming to a church building. It is the life that we live. Okay? So to bring that to where we're trying to get to today, loving people as we've been loved, okay? God's mercies. Loving people as we have been loved is a spiritual act of worship. Even those difficult ones, even those ones that are rude, even those ones that you don't want to touch, you don't want to be around at all, loving people as we have been loved is a spiritual act of worship. So how do we do this? Well, Paul says we're a living sacrifice. Now, that, that seems sort of a contradiction of terms. A, a living sacrifice. Because when I think about a living sacrifice... You know, when I think about sacrifices, usually I think of a dead sacrifice. I, th I, th I think about Old Testament stories where they sacrificed a lamb or something like that. See, but but any time, any time an animal was sacrificed, if the animal could know that they were taking volunteers, I mean, just think about it just for a second. The animal that was about to, to be killed, if that animal knew that they were taking volunteers for that job. How many lambs do you think would have said, not me, I'm not going to do that? See, when you think about a living sacrifice, I think of the Lamb of God who, who when he was living on this earth, now you got to stick with me now. I know you're sitting on your couch, but you got to stick with me because I want you to get this. See, when you think about a living sacrifice, I think of the, I think of the Lamb of God when he was living on this earth, 
And he says, I'm willing to die. Okay, that living sacrifice. Jesus says, I'm willing to die. Now remember, he said, he said this, no one takes my life, but I lay it down. I love that part. Okay, how, how do we love others? Well, we lay down our natural responses. Do you see where I'm getting this from? How do we love others? How do we love those difficult people? How, how do we do that? Well, we lay down our natural response because our natural response is to hit back. That's my natural response is to hit back. That's our natural response. But we lay that down. We are a living sacrifice that we lay down our selfish desires, that we die to ourselves. Listen, here's one of the keys. So that Christ can love others through us. That's the only way. That we put ourselves aside, that we die to ourselves, so that Christ can love others through us. Paul said it this way in Galatians 2.20. It says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Well, how do we love other people? How do we love difficult people? Well, it's not me. I don't have it in me. Because I want to fight back and I want to retaliate and I want to tell somebody what I think about them. But it's not me. We as Christian brothers and sisters, if we call ourselves Christ, Christ followers and we truly are, then it's not about me. But it's Christ inside of me. See, that, that's how we do it. In view of what God has done, I let Christ love through me. So you say, how do I, how do I love difficult people? I have to die to myself. And I have to allow Jesus to love someone through me. Well, Paul goes on to say in verse 16, he says this. He says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Do not be conceited. Now let me say that again. It says do not be proud and do not be conceited. Now in, in the Greek language, if it's translated, you, you ready for this? I want you to write this down. This is how it's translated. It means to not be proud and not be conceited. In other words, don't feel like you have to be right all the time. See, Jesus didn't tell us to be right. He told us to be loving, right? For those difficult people around us, we don't have to be right all the time. He told us to be loving. Jesus told us to be loving. He didn't say the world was going to know us by how correct we are. He said the world's going to know us by how much we love. Ephesians 4.2 says this, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Because of your love. They're not going to know us. Livingston, Tennessee, I don't want Livingston, Tennessee to know us because of how correct we are. I want Livingston, Tennessee to know us because of how much we love. See, that, that, that's why I remember you're going to be offended it's inevitable, but living offended is a choice. And I tell myself over and over, when, when I deal with difficult people, when someone says something to me that's maybe a little bit rude or something like that, see, I tell myself over and over and over, and I tell myself this, your life is too short, 
and your calling is too great to be offended by something small. Somebody needed to hear that. Your life is too short. Your calling is too great to be offended by something small. Imagine, imagine if Jesus had lived offended. I mean, he, he wouldn't have been able to do his mission. I mean, if Jesus had been offended, I, I can just hear him saying it right now, Matthew, you're not listening to me. Matthew, you didn't write that down right. Blessed is those who, what? You didn't write that down. I'm offended. You know, I, I healed 10 lepers and only one guy comes back to thank me. I'm offended. Thomas, why do you doubt me, man? You should be bragging about my miracles. Man, I raised the dead. I opened blind eyes. And Thomas, you're just always doubting me. See, being offended is inevitable. But living offended is a choice. Proverbs 19 is so powerful, it says this. A person's wisdom, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory, watch this, to overlook an offense. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be amazing that because of God's love for us, that we got better at overlooking offenses? Okay, now what, what does it mean to overlook an offense? Somebody says something bad about you, they speak bad about you, they're bullying you. What does it mean to overlook an offense? Well, let me tell you something that it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you pretend that it didn't happen. See, overlooking an offense is a conscious decision to say, I let it go. It's, it's essentially sort of real-time forgiveness. That it's forgiveness in the moment. That life is too short and your calling is too great to be offended by something small. So I, I think what the Word is, is telling us is to let it go. To let it go. See, I have to tell myself that often. Let it go. Jason, let it go. We got more important things to do over here than to worry about somebody else that they're trying to offend us. We got way too many things, way too many awesome callings of what the Father wants us to do. You know, somebody's rude to you, I'm over it. Let it go. <laughs> maybe, maybe your mother in law corrects your kids again. I know this is difficult, but let it go. Not my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law is perfect. Maybe somebody makes a, a passive-aggressive statement to you, and you know it, and it bothers you. I think the Word's teaching us that, you know, get over it. Let it go. <laughs> I, I, I can't help but think about the Disney movie where the princess begins to sing, Let It Go, and if I... I thought about singing it this morning, but I don't believe I'll, I'll hurt your ears with that one. But maybe, maybe, you're, maybe your spouse makes fun of how you dance, maybe. And, and seriously, maybe you say, say, just let it go. Because anytime I try to make a, you know, start to dance, my, my wife's like, uh-uh, please, please don't. Please don't. It's not good. I got to let it go. See, your marriage, your ministry, your calling is too great. To be caught up in something that's so small. See, now, now this next verse is key to us. It's key to us 
for you to be able to love people that are difficult around you. In verse 18 of Romans chapter 12, it says this, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you. Now hold on just a second, there's a comma there. It is, if, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you. Then it says, live at peace with everyone. Now, at that the part where it says, as far as it depends on you, I love the fact that in God's grace, that he gave us this sort of, this caveat, this clause, meaning that sometimes you can't control what somebody else does. But the words is saying, but as far as it depends on you, whatever's within your power, because you can only take care of yourself, right? That's what I've always been taught. See, whatever is in your response, whatever is within your power, which says we're going to live at peace with everyone. See, that means that means that that person that's hard to talk to, you know, as far as it goes with you, you're going to do what's right. See, the person who was rude to you, the person that wronged you, the person that took advantage of you in a business deal, as far as it depends on you, you're going to live at peace with everyone. Because church family, life is just too short. And our calling as a church, our calling, my calling as an individual, is way too great for me to live offended. And so when I tell you, when I tell you that the assignment of living this way is difficult, you better believe it is. You better know it is. It's tough. It's so hard that you can't do it on your own. That you need help from the one who is peace, from the one who brings relational peace. Now, I, I, and I'm going to say this, and I'm almost finished. I, I can hear somebody, uh, because I can see some of your faces right now, where you would sit, because I know exactly where you sit. See, I, I know that I can look at some of your faces right now, and some of you are saying, but, but pastor, it takes two to reconcile. And you're right, it does take two to reconcile. But listen to me, church, it takes one to forgive. It may take two to reconcile the problem, but it takes one to forgive. It takes one to be loving. And so as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on me, we're going to live in peace. See, being offended is inevitable, especially in the world that we live in now. But living that way is a choice. What choice you going to make, church? In Livingston, Tennessee, somebody's rude to you, somebody hurts you, you're on, you're, you're in the, uh, on the raw end of a business deal, what you going to do? You going to let it go? Being offended is inevitable, but living that way is a choice. So as far as it depends on us, on me, on you, what are we going to do as followers of Christ? Well, I'm hoping that we're going to do our best by the power of the Holy Spirit 
in our hearts to live at peace with everyone. I hope and I pray that something through God's word maybe has stuck out to you. I, I, I hope and I pray that God has taken this message and maybe has completely changed it. And you're hearing something that I'm not even saying because that is very, very, very possible. But do you have that love of Christ? Do you truly have that love that I've been talking about this morning? Because, because listen to me, church, if you don't know Christ, if you don't know the peace because he is peace, he is love, that is by the very definition of who the Messiah is. So because if you don't have that, then there is absolutely no way for us to love in the way that Christ wants us to love or for you to love. So have you experienced the love of Christ right now? Whether you're sitting by yourself in your home, whether you've got four or five people around you, maybe it's, maybe it's my wife and she's got four people around her right now. Maybe you're like that. But right now I want you to take just a second, just a minute to yourself, and I want you to make sure that you do have that love. That love that Christ wants to give to you. And see, and when he comes to your door and he's saying, look, I, I want to live inside of you. See, there's true repentance that has to happen. That there's, there's an admittance that we're saying, I admit that I'm a sinner. That I have fallen short of that glorious standard that you set for me, which is holiness, to be set apart. See, that there comes that time in your life to where Christ is saying, look, I want to come into your life. And I want to live into your life. And we choose salvation and we repent of our sins and say, we admit that we're sinners and we've fallen short of that glorious standard. And I believe that Christ died on the, on the cross for me. Could that be you this morning? Maybe you need to confess that with your mouth. Say, I, I admit that I'm a sinner and I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me and I, I, I commit my life to him. I confess that with my mouth. Maybe that's you. Maybe there are others that you're watching right now and you're really having a hard time with forgiveness. That You know Jesus as your Savior, but you're really having a really, really hard time with forgiving somebody, maybe in your family, maybe somebody in the, even in that room that you're sitting with right now, and, and they've hurt you in some way. And you're having a really hard time not being offended and not being hurt. And maybe this verse, maybe this sermon was for you because I've been there. There's been a lack of forgiveness in my life before. I'm just going to ask you just to take just a second. And maybe you need to leave the room and maybe to, to, to be on your, on your knees, on your hands, on your face before an almighty, all-sovereign God even right now. You don't have to be in this building to do that. This is just a building. Tell you what. 
If you have questions for me, maybe you've trusted Jesus, maybe, maybe even right there sitting where you are right now, you have accepted Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, and you have come to a true repentance of your sins. And maybe you say, well, Jason, I got a few more questions. Well, I know you're not here right now, but I'd love to be able to talk with you. You can call us at, at, at the church number is uh, 931-823-2096. You can go to our church website. There's a chat button. You can click that, and it actually comes to my phone, and I'll be, able to, I'll be more than happy to sit down and talk with you about who Jesus is. I'm just asking you to follow your convictions. Would you pray with me? Father, Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord, I thank you for the privilege you give us to be able to worship together, even in this way. Lord, we do love you. Lord, I thank you for forgiveness. Lord, I thank you for salvation. Father, I thank you that you teach us how to love difficult people. It's easy to read, but it's a whole lot harder to live. Father, allow us to be a church that is loving. Father, allow us a church that speaks the truth. And Lord, I lift up an individual that's watching right now. Father, be with him. Lord Jesus, we do love you. We say this in your name. Amen. I want to thank you. Thank you for being uh, a part of our worship today. I do hope that you have a, a wonderful afternoon. Um, I, I have a feeling sledding in some snow may be in my future this afternoon. Um, but I do thank you for joining us today. I hope you have a blessed day and hope to see you this Wednesday night.